0: Sleep yet, get up, get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh, and be happy. What if I've been moved? Now I'm walking through fields
1: of flowers. Hello and welcome to the Red Robin Podcast Weekly, which is a course powered by uh budget ties, Auto Centre, and 360 Chartered Accountants. And it's becoming a bit of a tired say now, isn't it? But the life of a Hulkington Rover supporter is never a dull one, as this past six what six days has shown us. We started the week off with a defeat to bottom side Toulouse, which was then quickly followed by the news that Tony Smith was to depart the club with immediate effect. Danny Maguire has stepped in as interim head coach and also signed a brand new three-year contract. The following day, Brett Delaney was appointed as forwards coach with immediate effect with his contracts running to the end of next season. This was then followed also by the news that uh, Louis Sr. had signed for the Robins, also with immediate effects from Huddersfield Giants. And today, uh, Frankie holton has signed a brand new contract, which will keep him at Craven Park until the end of 2025. And that is all, uh, without considering the fact we've got a derby at the end of the week, uh, which is normally the biggest game in the calendar. So it is great to be welcoming Craig, Mikey and Graham, who's joining us for the very first time. Graham, if I introduce Craig and Mikey, just tell us how your love affair with the Robins kicked off.
2: Yeah, so I'm a, a child of uh, watching Rovers in the 80s, the glory days. So I can, I can remember that far back when my mum used to take me as a, as a very young kid uh, to stand at the old Craven Park, right at the front on the railings, and that's where it all started i used to go along with my pals uh when we were old enough to go out on our own and those are the same kids i stand with now in the east stand uh to this day 30 something years later on
1: yeah fantastic and a story that's probably echoed by many rove supporters Um i do get jealous especially when do all the heritage casts when i speak to players like gary clark and dave hall and you know the greats about you know what they achieved in the 80s and and um, you know, although we've had some some tiny bits of success since then, um, it's been short-lived, doesn't it? So I do get very jealous sometimes of the people in that era and being able to to watch the Robins. Then, Mikey, uh, you've been a very busy man. How are you doing?
3: Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Keeping me uh, keeping myself as busy as possible, uh, which is uh, one of these things where when you have a week like this, maybe you don't need to be busy. But yeah, it's. Uh, I was on a training course on Monday. Completely missed all of the Tony Smith stuff until about three o'clock. So yeah. when I got round to seeing it, there was so much to try and keep up with.
1: Yeah, and uh, news travels fast, doesn't it? And Craig, um, we're going to go into the Toulouse game. Uh, but obviously, it's been a bit of a whirlwind few days, hasn't it, for the Robins?
0: Yeah, you can say that again. Um, keeping the fans on the toes, aren't they? Uh, you know, like you said, going from Toulouse to Smith, Maguire, a lot's gone on. But it's never, never goes uh, simple, does it, derby week?
1: No, no, you're right, yeah, Derby week, yeah, we should have predicted it, shouldn't we, really? Uh, even though I think it would have been uh, hard-pressed to predict everything that has happened. And of course, you know, obviously while we're, we're talking about the current Hulkington Rovers and what's happening in the future, uh, we've the sad news, didn't we, that Zouk Emred uh, sadly passed away. Um, so we'll spend a little bit of time towards the back end of the podcast just paying tribute to him. Uh obviously it's very sad sad news indeed. Uh but Robin, the Robins started on Saturday with a defeat to Toulouse, the bottom side in Super League. Mikey, we travelled across to the to France with a, a bit of a patched up squad. I think we only named twenty players, didn't we? And that included Lachlan Coote who by all accounts had no chance of playing whatsoever. Um even so it was a, a disappointing performance, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it was. I think a lot of fans maybe cautiously predicted a defeat, shall we say. Um, I, I don't think it made it any easier after the fact. You know, with um we almost got caught out in April, didn't we, when we, we travelled across there and we, we was getting nilled at half time, if you can remember back then. I think we were twelve nil down at half time and even this time round at eight nil, you still felt like we had half a chance of being able to sort of get back into the game. But yeah, very bitterly disappointed to, to go over there and to lose, even though I did feel like it was probably going to happen, but it still there wasn't any easier to accept.
1: Yeah. I'm just looking now. <laughs> we've only played to lose one, two, three, four, five, five times. We've got a horrendous record against them. Yeah, yeah.
3: we've just won the one game, haven't we? <laughs> yeah.
1: Which is um yeah, which is obviously not good enough, is it? Um obviously uh, Graham, it transpires, isn't it, on the back of that result. Um, Again, I think Neil Hudgel was actually at. I think he, he travelled across to France. So obviously, he, so he had a first hand account of what happened on the pitch. But, um, you know, to lose fighting the, for the lives at the bottom of the league, even so, um, you know, some of the players, some of the senior pros should have been, should have been maybe putting the hand up and, and, and putting in more. Although, you know, we did do it tough. Matty Storton lasted two minutes and we never saw him again. And we saw in the uh, the Huddersfield semi-final, didn't we, when Kane uh, Lynette had to go off early, that once you're down to three interchanges, no matter who you're playing, it's a tall order, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and I think so. I think even from the, the comment that Mike made there about the, the, the trip back in April when it was, we, we should have learned that it was going to be a tough game. We shouldn't have gone into that with a, with a mindset that was, oh, it's only to lose, it's the bottom of the league you look at their results across home and away and apart from a couple of blowouts they've had, they've been very, very competitive in in the vast majority of their games and especially at their home stadium. Um, They they should have been, and I, like many, I guess predicted it and had a chat with my next door neighbour about it in the week leading up to it and said, this is a potential banana skin for us if we haven't got it, got it right from minute one. And it, you know, transpired out like many thought it would do, but, Again, it, it's the level of performance that I think fans are looking for. Of, Are we consistent enough? Have we got those ups and downs in us, that, that, that the peaks and troughs, that the good teams tend not to, to have such a wide range of? And again, it's just typical, I guess, typical Rovers, you would call it, of, of the last few seasons where we find it hard to put the sides to the sword who we think we should be beating and actually go ahead and execute that. And we, we seem to struggle and we were... 8-0 down and 14-0 down in the previous game against them. And we just make it so hard for ourselves. And as fans, you, you obviously want the best for the club, but but you look at the the levels of performance and think, did we take it easy? Did we go with a mindset of, well, we've got a patched up squad? It, it doesn't really matter. We're going to go and win, ahead and win anyway. But again, that complacency, if we did have that, that's just a recipe for disaster from minute one. And when things do start to go against you with that sort of mindset, have we got the resilience to, to really fight back against it?
1: Yeah, and there's definitely something in that, isn't there? Because we've shown on a number of occasions under Tony Smith Reign that if we're able to start off fast and we get points on the board, we tend to go on and win the game. And um, what's what's becoming apparent recently is that if things don't go our way, there's no plan B, there's nothing we can do almost to change the, the course of the game. And um, obviously on Saturday, it wasn't helped, Craig, by the fact that we had Ryan Hall missing. Um, and George King. Um, ben Crooks was mo- moved over to the wing. Albert Vetty went to start in prop with Corbin Sims coming back into the side. But um, you only have to look at the, the metres made from the Robins to see what an impact it was not having Ryan All. I think there was only one player, um, Sean Kennedy, I think, who, who made over 100 metres. Um, everybody else was was below that. And we saw in the Huddersfield game previous to that, if you make big meters, you know you end up scoring big points. And and, and Huddersfield had numerous players who, who made over 100 meters. So lose. they had a they had a few players who did that. And and it was telling, wasn't it, that when Ryan Hall's out the side, we don't seem to have any player in in, in back play or, or who can run it out of defence and and necks them important meters.
0: No, I, I think you you're spot on. Um, I think Ryan Hall's one of those players he would be missing any team. Um But yeah, I think we've lost our identity a little bit over the last so many games. Um, I think I'd like to know the percentage of that squad on Saturday that was in the playoff game against Warrington the year before. Uh, because even though, like Mike was saying, there was a feeling, I didn't have a feeling that we'd actually get beat, but it's the manner of the defeat. Um, it was the manner of the defeat against um, Huddersfield. And I know like players going off early, you know, it doesn't help. But for me, it was more about the I don't like to say the players are trying, but one on one tackles that have fallen off them. I know we have not seen that from Rovers in a long time, in my opinion. Um so I was even though I expected us to see it beat, I was actually I was more disappointed with with the manner of the defeat.
1: Yeah. And uh, the manner of the defeat was very disappointing, as, as a number of games recently. Uh, Salford sat the, the Salford game aside. Um, you know, Rose have been very disappointing for a number of weeks now. Do you think, Mikey? Obviously, well, obviously, transpires. You know, Mike Tony Smith has left. Do you think this that performance was a final nail in the coffin for him?
3: Quite possibly. <clears throat> I think a lot of us have thought it's possibly been coming. I don't necessarily know if that was the one hundred percent cause for it. You know, I thought Jordan Abdul's interview we did with All Daily Mill was really good, really telling mm-hmm. about some of the attitude that he had towards Tony Smith and towards some of his some of his peers. Because at the end of the day, you should be able to perform regardless of personal feelings towards somebody else. Because there is there is a pride element that that should come into it. And um, I I don't honestly believe it is solely down to the Tony Smith thing. I feel like there's an accumulation of various different things you know we've had we've not we've not got much confidence we've not really had the, the rub of the green you know you look at the the Houlton disallowed try against Huddersfield with the video ref which okay you could possibly argue that it wasn't a try but it's incredibly unlucky to have that overturned after it went up as a try um I think we had two tries disallowed in in Toulouse as well for sort of one was for double movement I think I think that was Halton again um and I think pass the last one as well and Just these little 50-50 decisions that when you're on the type of run that Rovers are on, you don't get these decisions. And I think that is very important and that is quite telling in our form at the minute.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, But I think now, obviously, new regime. I think that result's done and gone and it's done now. Um, Interestingly, Rovers tried a new approach. They're going to Toulouse for Saturday's game. Uh, I think they did the go the day, day before, stay the night and then um, and then play obviously on the on the Saturday. Obviously it didn't work. So, <laughs> uh, but then again, who knows? It, it, you know, I think like Mikey said, I don't think the result was what ended Tony Smith. I think there's been a number of things over a number of weeks. Um, we'll talk about Tony Smith just a little bit now. Uh, Graham, um, I know things have turned a bit toxic, and and you know fans were venting their anger and frustration, especially on Saturday. But Ultimately, when Tony Smith returns to Craven Park, he'll be able to walk with his head held high what he at the, the job and what he's managed to achieve in, in the time that he was at the club.
2: Yeah, I think so. And as a fan, you're always living in the here and now. And I think if you look at where Rovers were, just short of three years ago, when he when he did come and, and join the club and to where we are now, and we've, we've been not looking over our shoulder at that trap door uh, as often, we've been consistently you know, competing for the top six in the last couple of years and, and obviously getting to the semi-final uh last season and challenge cup this season. So I think there's definite progress made. And I think for, for me as a as a fan, that that for me in the long term is, is is progress. And moving forward I think more building on top of that to get more progress moving, you know, m- moving in the years to come under the new coach. I think there's got to be uh, got to be the aim. I don't think we can go from zeros to heroes in, in, a, in a short time. You've got to build toward that. And I think the squad that's been assembled is, is has got one eye on that. Um, I think for, for me, the consistently consistent message is what I'm looking for as a, as a fan. Are, are we consistent over a, con, a longer period of time rather than just having bursts of four or five games and then dropping off for four or five, six games? Good champion teams... Don't have the runs that we sort of go on on a regular basis of, of of poor performances, poor results. So, so I think yeah, going back to previous comments around Tony Smith, I think was probably a culmination as fans and you look for something to, to 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 blame if you like for the you know we don't understand what goes on on Monday to Fridays, and we only see the you know the eighty minutes on game day, so we don't know what goes on a lot behind the scenes and, and can only see. And judge what, what we see and read in the press and, and see with our own eyes and ears uh, at, at the weekends and we form our opinions on that so yeah like like others i think there are probably other things behind the scenes and you would hope that, that the players are professional enough to understand what's going on and it happens in sport i'm sure it's not the first time it's happened to them and what not the, the, the last time but we, we've got to move on we've got to look forward to that uh to that new coach coming in I'm sure there'll be some new ideas, this, the, the, you know, hopefully be a continuation of the good things that we've built in through Tony Smith's uh, three years with us. And if we can iron out some of that consistency and become consistently consistent as opposed to consistently inconsistent, then I feel we're on the right track to being up there and challenging over the coming years.
1: Yeah. And we've seen that with Craig, you know, this side can put run a run of results together, and we saw that frustratingly just prior to Tony Smith announcing his departure from the club. Uh, when what was it? A club equaling uh, run of results, um, which is probably why um, people start to get frustrated when we started to lose a few games, just because of the manner of how Tony announced his departure. Uh, he was doing a depart from the club. Um, I called at the time and I said, look, when if when, if he keeps winning, nobody will bat an eyelid. As soon as you lose two or three games on a trot, the daggers, or the knives will be out on Tony Smith and they'll say it's all because of, of what he's done. But like Graham's already mentioned and Mike, these are professional players, you know, and, and like Mike said about uh, the Jordan Abdul interview, he, he praised him to the Hilt and said it was because of Tony Smith that like he got his England call up, he got his he's had some better form, etc. cetera. Um, and there's a lot of players who have, who have alluded their performances to Tony Smith. So I suppose it's sad in a way, how it's panned out over the last few weeks that, that these players have not been able to get the results for, Tony Smith?
0: No, it's, it's kind of, for me, it's a bit of a sweet moment because I do feel like we've played some of the best rugby I've seen in, in years. And um, there was, some, you know, the potential was there. We, we was moving forward as a club on and off the field. And I think we've, we've discussed it on other podcasts before. The, the announcement, the way announced it wasn't great. And like I said, you look, as soon as you start losing a couple, fans are going to start questioning the media, get on your back. Fans buy into the media. Um, and basically, you, you're not going to come out of that situation well unless the team start winning. I think, you know, some of the players that have come out and said, you know, thanking Tony Smith and everything like that, you know, he's brought them to the club, he's given them a chance. But for me as well, the players had to play for the club first. Um, I know, like John Abdul, I think with Mike, what he said about the interview, you know, it, it was great what, what he came out and said, but I think as a club, something wasn't right. Um, and I think if any club was lose it loss, was it eight of the last, or one, one in eight? I think mm-hmm. there'd be automatic pressure anyway, but I think it was just Tony Smith was highlighted more because of the announcement.
1: Yeah. And for my, uh, for you, Mike, I would use some up Tony Smith's. Um, Hulkings and Rovers' career for you?
3: I think I want to call it memorable. Mm. It, it, it gave me some experiences and emotions that I've not really experienced at, at rugby for, for quite a few years. You know, you think back to just, even if you just think back to singular games, you know, the Wigan away victory in 2021 uh, where, with a defending masterclass where we went across there and won for the first time in however many years. You know, Wigan at home, the the, the playoff game um, against Warrington. You know, we, we've had moments that you really have to kind of really, really hold on to because there were such such special moments at, at that time. And OK, we never won anything. We never achieved anything. I, fu- I fully understand that. But we're on the track to be able to actually achieve something with this team. And hopefully, even though Tony is going, we're going to be able to see the majority of the playing group that we've got reassembled under a new coach and under a new regime to really try and reach that next level.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, ultimately, you know, I'm getting a bit annoyed. Well, not annoyed, but we're talking a lot about next season, the next, you know, announcements have been made, etc., etc. And for me, you know, we've still got 10 games of the season to play. This season isn't done and dusted. And I think, ultimately, something had to change because the, the run of results that we was on... You know, in a way, you couldn't see. You couldn't see it turning round. Um, so I think def- something definitely had to happen. But I suppose, I suppose the, the biggest accol- accolade I can give Tony Smith is that he's given Rovers fans the opportunity to dream again and, and, and be confident and, and look upwards rather than downwards for so long. You know, supporters of my generation, maybe yours, Mike, yours as well, Craig. You know, we haven't had the the glory years that Graham's experienced. Um, and at the moment now, you've, there's a different feeling around the club. There's there's a there's a movement, isn't there, for us to be better. And, and you know, at the moment, we're, we're annoyed because we're falling out of the playoff places. But we're not we're not worried about being relegated. We're worried that we won't be in the playoffs at the end of the season. And in the short space of time that like Tony Smith's been here, he's given us that chance to do that. So so yeah, it'd be interesting to see, obviously over the few next coming weeks or whatever, if Tony Smith does an interview or, or whatever to see what his thoughts are on Kingston Robbers. Uh, and his time at the club, and it'll also be interesting to see where he ends up. Obviously, loads of rumours being bandied around at the moment where he's going to go to Leeds. Um, Bradford was also one, but I see that they've just confirmed a new head coach, and Brian Noble's going back to, to Bradford. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting. And, of course, we recorded a um, Red Robin podcast special on Monday evening in in the wake of Tony Smith leaving the club, so you can catch that on, on podcasts, and it's also available on YouTube. So... I'd give that a listen. Uh, there's a lot more time spent there talking about Tony Smith. Um, but Tony Smith's gone, um, and Danny Maguire has been appointed uh, interim head coach and he's also signed a brand-new three-year contract. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of fans clamouring for Danny Maguire to take the, take the uh, head coach role. Um, people wanting to see him, especially to the end of the season. In a way, Graham, do you think that... Um, The fact we've got Willie Peters appointed for for next season, that it just lifts a bit of pressure off uh, Danny Maguire because, obviously, if he was successful, people would be clamouring for him to be the next coach, etc. But also the fact he's got a new free contract as well, it firmly puts him in as assistant to Willie Peters. I suppose it's...
2: um, Is it a no-lose situation for Danny Maguire? I I think so, yeah. I think... He's got a free hit, hasn't he? He can, you know, he's going to provide that continuity at the, at the moment when I think probably some players might need that. You know, the arm around the shoulder type of approach for for some of them. So, I think he's uh, he's got that ability to do that. Having been at the club for the last three or four seasons as a player and, and obviously as as, as assistant re- more recently, um, I think he can moving forward provide that link between a new coach coming in and the existing player regime as well. So, I think he'll be looking to to. You know, he openly admits in his interviews this week that that he's nowhere near a head coach material. He's got lots and lots to learn. Whilst he learnt a lot from Tony Smith, I'm sure he'll also be looking to learn from from Peters when he comes in, and you know, feathering his own cap for, for future years as a as a proper head coach in his own rights. But this will give him a little bit of, as you say, a, a free hit in terms of taking the you know the big decisions himself, seeing what what motivates players. You know, can he do that? Can he inspire the players to turn up on a on a weekend and, and put an 80-minute performance in, and then have the comfort of knowing that if you know if it doesn't work out, he's got the you know the new head coach coming in and he can continue to to you know to, to be successful. Hopefully, with us uh, for that next three-year period, which again I think is a good sign of stability within the club, as well as all the on-the-field retentions that we've had of those young players as well. I think Maguire's a, a really off-the-field retent- uh, important retention for us.
1: Mm, definitely, and it sort of sneaked in on it, mate. That three-year uh, contract extension—you also had to read the small print when uh, when it was announced that it was taken over. But I suppose, Mike, you're you're close to the club, and I suppose while Danny Maguire might not be under pressure, I suppose the club are under a bit of pressure because they can't afford they can afford for us to stagnate, can they? We can't afford to have this these last ten games sort of peter out without Rovers, you know, really, really, you know, making a charge for the playoffs kind of thing. We've seen all the. Off-field stuff, Craven Street, um, you know everything that's going around. There's a real good atmosphere around the club. Um, I suppose we need we need a good end to the season, don't we, to to really then get people interested for for the uh, the season after that.
3: Absolutely, Chris, and I think one point that you you kind of touched upon it a moment ago about there is still something to play for this year, and I think the fact that the club have made a decision on Tony Smith now tells you that there is people in the hierarchy at the club that believe exactly what you've just said. Mm. Because if that wasn't the case, it would have been quite easy to let Tony Smith see the season out, uh, potentially lose a derby at the weekend. We've got Wakefield at home the week after. If you are going to stand down your your head coach, this was probably the right time to do it on a Monday morning with a full build week up into uh, what is going to be a very interesting um, derby game. Um, You're right about what you say when we think about the progression for next season. But you, you, you're correct, Chris. We've got to look at this year as well and sort of see what we can actually still achieve because the playoffs aren't out of reach. If we can win our next two games, the playoffs are very much within uh, within the reach for this club. And um, Just very quickly, as you said um, about Danny Maguire, I'll be honest, I was a little bit disappointed at the way that the three-year contract for Danny Maguire was announced in the, in the fact that it's something that is very big news, I believe, for the future of our club. And it would have been nice to have had Danny get a little bit more sort of respect on his name, if you like, on the basis of having it announced, you know, on its own little announcement, shall we say, opposed to it being in in the small print behind uh, Tony leaving. Um, I think it could have been done that it was announced that Tony was leaving and that Danny was taking temporary charge. Wednesday morning, you announced that Danny Maguire signed a new three-year contract. You know, we know a lot of these contracts aren't necessarily agreed and signed on the day that they're announced. Obviously, we've announced that Frankie Holton has signed. That probably won't today. That was maybe last week or even the week before. We've we placed these agreements and we announced them, I believe, so that they're, when we need that little bit of a pick-me-up. And we spoke about all of these different things that have happened in this derby week. And I don't think any of us are naive enough to realise that the derby is still, you know, 40 hours away. There is a lot that can happen in the next two days.
1: Yeah, there's a hell of a lot. and um, Yeah, and also, you know, it shows you how quickly things moved, isn't it? Because, you know, Tony Smith departs, Danny Maguire is appointed interim head coach, and then the following day, Brett Delaney comes in as forwards coach um, from the York City Knights, where he's been assistant. Um, obviously, you'll be helping Danny Maguire out with the with the first team, I think, as a whole for now, you know, until the end of the season. But I suppose, Graham, how was surprised was you to, to see that news?
2: Yeah, it certainly wasn't one that, that I'd heard as as any sort of rumour at all. But again, just, just reading on what Maguire said about that particular point, appointment, and I think first and foremost, he's been brought into work with the forwards on defensive qualities. And when Maguire talks about Brett Delaney, he, he talks about him as, as one of the hardest defensive players to play against. So if we can harness some of that knowledge and experience that he's got over his playing career with you know in Australia, and then obviously where we really know him from at Leeds Rhinos, if he can instil that into those young players who we seem to be building up, the I Minchellas mean, of this world, the Holtons of this world, and help to improve them more, I think that'd be a really good thing. you know, Maguire speaks highly enough of him, so that's good enough for me. If he thinks highly of him, then, yeah, I think it'll be a good appointment for us.
1: Yeah, I'm interested to know where um, where this link has come from, really. Whether it's Danny Maguire who's really pushed for it, or I'm trying to find a link between Willie Peters Um and then, but I can't find one at the moment, because obviously, you know, Willie Peters head coach, obviously Danny Maguire, very good friends with Brett Delaney. So, yeah, I'm just trying to work out the dynamics on this one. But Willie Peters is obviously on board with it. He said, um, I know Brett wouldn't ask the players to do something he wasn't willing to do himself. Brett will bring that aggressive style we want at Hull KR. I'm really comfortable and happy with the staff we have heading into next season. Uh, what might have been missed as well is, is a bit of a shake-up with the the coaching set up next season, so it appears that uh, Brett Hodgson, Danny Maguire and Dave Hodgson will be Willie Peters' assistant coaches, with Stanley Jean uh, taking a, a more of a development role working with Rovers Academy and, and less involvement with the first team. Obviously, we've seen in the wake of Danny Maguire being appointed interim head coach, Stanley Jean and Kevin Dayton have took on the reserve duty. Um, of course, they suffered defeat last night, to i in the in the Derby front, uh, uh, reserve game. Um so, yeah, it's not just change at the top. There's a bit of change everywhere, isn't there, Craig, at the moment? Uh, but, you know, it can only be a positive that we've managed to get Brett Delaney in so early.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing it as a, as a positive, to be honest. You know, with the thing with Brett Delaney, he's going to be here next year. I think Maguire touched on that um, getting him into the club now, getting used to his surroundings, getting used to some of the players that will be here next year, uh, I think it will only benefit him in the long run. But I think something else did need to change defensively. Like I said earlier, you know, falling off tackles, getting sloppy. Um sometimes it just takes someone else to come in to get that enthusiasm back. Um and I'm I am hoping over the next few weeks, month or so to you know just see a bit more of a, an aggressive rovers in defence.
1: Yeah. Well let's be honest, Mike. Um as as much as we've been famed for our attacking Rugby league and off the cuff rugby league, etc. Um, defence hasn't been our particularly our strongest point for a couple of seasons now, has it? Um, although we've had you know, we've had picks and starts where it has been well. But what one thing that I'm really excited about is, um, obviously Brett Delaney coming in having a specific role around working with the forwards and the de- defensive side of the game, but also how Jesse Sue was supposed to be coming in and complementing that. Uh, Willie Peters spoke about how, how Jesse Sue is a uh, um. An ex- extremely good professional. How Newcastle actually brought him in for that role to help him mould and guide the younger players. And of course, you know we've got some outstanding young forwards: George King, Matty Storton, Lewis Johnson, Frankie Holton. You know, so it's going to be it's it's going to be exciting to see what happens next season with the new setup. And it's good to see that Willie Peters is actually already thinking ahead to how he wants us to be structured for next season.
3: <clears throat> yeah, and I think we're going to see sort of spits and spits of that towards the back end of, of this season as well. Um, obviously, there's been a lot said about uh, Brett Delaney and the time that he spent in the forwards, but I can remember him playing in the centres as well for Leeds as well. So, it's not just necessarily maybe about his defending from a from a forward perspective. He'll maybe be able to sort of work defensively with the backs and it, it's something where hopefully that dynamic will be able to kind of sort of develop throughout. And when you look at sort of like Willie Peters who, who's coming in a former halfback, you've got Danny Maguire, who is a former halfback. He needs maybe to have somebody in the hierarchy in the coaching of the club that is going to be more defence oriented because we've maybe got the, the attacking trait, shall we say, down to a T. So having somebody who's going to be able to support with the defensive side of the game is going to be really vital to our chances.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting indeed. Uh, of course, uh, Brett Delaney, you know. The appointment of him doing nothing to aid our um, well, the uh, the overtures that we get from Leeds to say that we're just the uh, sort of retirement home or Le- Leeds rhinos, Mark B, what have you. But actually, the difference is now we've got people coming from Leeds, etc., we are at the sort of top end of the career now. Um, and it seems to be that Leeds are the blowers, so long may that continue. Um, some more good news, Graham Frankie Holton. Um, Staying with us until at least the end of 2025. Um, if you believe newspaper reports, there was um, some NRL interest in him. Um, I think Gold Coast Titans and Newcastle had been linked. Um, what has he done? He's played sort 12 games for us, I think, this season. 12 or 13 games. He's hit the ground running uh, to the point where he's probably one of the first names on the team sheet.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, like many, it would have been a, a bit of a Frankie who at the beginning of the, of the season of what, what you know, what was he done? For, he's come up from Championship level and actually proved that he's, he's worthy of Super League, you know, status and like many would agree, probably worthy of a starting share every single week as well. Even though it's only been twelve, thirteen weeks that he's, he's been playing with us, so I've been really impressed with him. His work ethic is very good. His defensive qualities have been very good. He's, he's decent with ball in hand as well. He gets on the end of things as well he, he pops up with a try every now and again or not if the video ref doesn't allow it but you know it, it seems like he's got an all-around game as a again a young player a young hungry player who's worked his way up through championship level getting that opportunity at, at, at super league level and looks like if he continues as he is he looks like he's going to take that with both hands and who knows where where he can go to after that and if we can guide him well and you know establish him as a, as a regular first team player, then I think he could be a very very good player indeed. And you know, you're probably all aware of you know the, the rumor mills around um, contracts, and that you know was that just a, a lever that was pulled to to, to generate a contract? At, at, at Rovers? was there any merits in in some of the Australian interest? And is that right for him now? Is you know the stage of his career? Who knows? But I'm I'm really really pleased that we've managed to nail him down for for extra time with us.
3: Yeah,
1: he's um, he's dependable, isn't he, Craig? You know, you look at his stats. You know, some people don't really value stats, etc. But when you look at his tackles, his
0: carries, his meters, he's very consistent. Um, I was just got to say, it, consistent comes spring command. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, Graham said, you know, coming from Championship club, it, you know. Fans would have given him time, but he's hit the ground running. He's consistent, like with his meter making, his tackling. Um, you know, and for me, it was important that we we tied him down to another deal because uh, he's only going to get better. Uh, whether the room rumors, you know, were true or not, it doesn't matter for, for me. If as a club you want to progress, you've got to stand down your, your, your best players.
1: Yeah, definitely, and he's uh, he's definitely a player that I think Willie Peters is going to be looking forward to working with, isn't he, next season, Mike?
3: Yeah, I just when I watch him, I just I get I get quite excited by when he has the ball in his hand, and even when he's defending, you know, he's got a lot about him. He's he's a really really good rugby league player, and we've seen across the Super League that there's some really good hidden gems in that championship, and I, and I feel like we've got a little bit of stick at the end of last season for dipping into that championship market and pulling out one or two players. But Frankie Halton, for me, is probably our signing of the season and he's possibly in the top five signings of the season in the Super League. So for us to be able to sort of retain him for an extra couple of years, obviously he was already under contract for next season anyway, but to give him that two-year extension, which is rightly, rightly earned, and I'd like to think there's a little bit of a, a wage increase in there for him as well. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll see him blossom over the next three years.
1: Yeah. And there's got to be, are not there? Because you'd, you'd imagine if the club's offering it once a time down, Frankie Alton's got a bit of power there, are not he? To say, well, hang on, if you want me that bad, you know, let's have a bit more money then kind of thing. Um, he said uh, after signing his contract, I can knuckle down now knowing I'm going to be here for the next few years. I've settled in really well with, this, with the team, the club and the city as well. Hull feels like home and I think that's helped me on the pitch too. Um, I think that is one of the features I know Frankie Alton moved to Hull I know Matty Stoughton has um, I know Ryan Milnes has um, and for too often haven't we Graham seen players sign for Rovers but not probably fully commit to the full full deal um, especially when we've signed players over from, from the North West etc but it's good to see that the movement in the club seems to be different there seems to be more, more of a demand on the players that like, hey if we are going to sign you you are going to come and you need to really invest into it, and these younger players as well. I mean, I say younger. Frankie Alton is twenty-six, but um, Elliot Mincella, M- Matty Storton, Frankie Holton, you know, even George King, etc. You know, they really seem to be buying into into the into the club um, and what's happening there. So you know, it's I suppose when Frankie Holton signs, it also makes other players look at it and go, well, do you know what? I think there's something happening here.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, I, I sort of go back to the Tony Smith point and, you know, is that an environment that Tony Smith has created for people to want to do that? Because you alluded to some of the players that we've signed who maybe do travel or live historically from the northwest, West or, or certainly the Leeds area where they just used to travel in every day. And you can imagine how laborious that M62 journey is every day if you have to do that. And how much does that impact on your enjoyment of, the, of being at the club if... Um, if you have to do it every day for two, you know, two, three uh, years,
1: not that long ago, I don't think, where Joel Tompkins was driving in from Wigan, I think. Every,
2: every yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, that we got bits and pieces out of him, but it wasn't really the Joel Tompkins we're expecting, I don't think. So was his heart really in it? Possibly not. But but you get the feeling that with, with the players who are committing themselves to the city and, and committing themselves to, to, you know, those longer term deals, like they're all, you know, all those ones that we've mentioned, they're all sort of tied down now for a good few years so there's that stability there which can hopefully feed you know feed improvement and and feed each other and and spare each other on they're all part of the 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 environment the you know the the east hall ethos that we have about wearing the badge and the shirt etc they seem to to get it and and that's you know that i i I sort of probably allude to some of that had been down to tony smith's impact as well of of pride in the club pride in the shirt etc and attracting these players over in the first place and showcasing you know what good young players they are and then turn them into, hopefully, even better players for us.
1: Yeah, and talking about younger players, Craig, uh, Louis Senior signing from Huddersfield.
0: What a shock that was, <laughs> finishing way to that one. At first I was getting a bit confused which one would sign because I knew obviously the, the Twins, the, the one at Huddersfield. Um, you one not hoping for Inns was, yeah, you weren't hoping for his brother. <laughs> no, no, not now. <laughs> but no, um, you know, I think he's he's played is it 36 games here and scored 22 tries, and that's in Super League. Um, and I think he, you know, he needed g- game time. He, I know he's got speed, which is something we, we definitely need. Um he's he's quite tall, um, and I think again the move or doing the world of good sometimes. And you're not playing regularly and you kind of you can fall out of luck with the game. Uh, but he seems quite enthusiastic about coming to the club again on loan to the end of the season. Then is it a two year deal he's yeah. got after that? Um, and again, he, he spoke to Willie Peters, so obviously he, he sold in the club to him. Um, and hopefully he'll he'll just get better and better the, the more he's, he's around the club, and especially well, he will when you. Like alongside players
1: like Kenny Dowell, Ryan Hall. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Ryan Hall. And obviously, Mike, it throws up the question, doesn't it? Where does Where does uh, Louis Sr. sort of fit in at the moment? Um, because we've got Ryan Hall, who's going to be around for next season. Uh, Ethan Ryan, who, who's made managed to make that sort of right wing spot his own. Um, we've obviously got Will Tate, although whether he's seen more as a centre. Um, there's going to be competition for places, next season, isn't they? And um, someone like Louis Senior with pace. And, and to be fair, that is one thing we've been crying out for, isn't it? A bit of pace.
3: Yeah, it costs, of course it is. Um, you look at your, your key positions and for me, you've got to be having three places for each starting. So, for example, you have two wingers that start a game. You need a third winger to be able to put pressure on both of your starting wingers. You've got to have that kind of competition. We look at halfbacks. We've got three very good, halfbacks on their day and it's important to try and keep that level of consistency in terms of competition for places going across across the entire field so I'm not too concerned that we've got somebody like Lewis Senior who's coming in looking for a first team place because I almost want him to try and dislodge Ryan Hall or Ethan Ryan because that will then spare them on to think well actually there's a little bit of pressure coming in now and um, just a quick word on, on Lewis Senior. Um, I could remember one game. I could remember watching him for one game this year, and it was um, against Wigan. Um, it was the, the week after the, the quarter... Uh, sorry, the semifinals of the Challenge Cup. Um, and both Huddersfield and Wigan played uh, a weakened team against each other. Um, and he scored a hat-trick on that day, and he did actually have the opportunity to get another one, but he knocked on going over the line. So it was it was good to be able to watch him because there was a few different tries Few different sort of elements of skill that were required to sort of finish those moves off so you think back as well 12 months ago we'd signed Sam Wood we was probably having very similar conversations about Sam Wood a year ago and now year on we're very pleased to have him as part of our squad so hopefully Lewis will, will slot in just nicely
1: Yeah and Graham um, I suppose are we are we being a bit naive to expect Ryan Hall to be playing every game next season as, he's, as he has done now obviously in course before his injury. And, yeah. um, you know, I suppose we need we need a bit of backup, don't we? We need a bit of competition for places. Uh, yeah. With, with Ryan Hall approaching the end of his career.
2: Yeah, I think there's an element of that. And I think, you know, Ryan Hall's one of those ultimate professionals who looks after himself. He does everything right during the week. He does everything right away from game time in terms of preparing his body at, at the age he's at for, you know, for, for the rigors of the next week. Um, so I think, yeah, he's not getting any younger. He's one of our as we've alluded to, one of our top metre makers out of backfield. You know, there's one tackles, one tackle two out of our own 20 where you need to get some good solid yards. So he's been very, very good at that for us. But that, that whole left edge is, is, is quite old. And again, th- is, this, uh, is this part of the succession planning for, for, for that particular edge with, with you know the signings that are coming in? So yes, he may be three into two next season, but realistically, is Ryan Hall going to go anywhere with us after next season question mark so then does he naturally have uh, a, a ready-made spot available when we start to backfill that way so I, I think there's hopefully a bit of that competition that the other's talked about there and pushing each other on but I'd also like to think that with the the rest of this season plus two seasons as well after that that there's an element of succession planning being thought into it.
1: Yeah definitely and um, when he signed uh, his contract. Um, he mentioned that he knows Sam Wood from Huddersfield, and he's only said good things about the place, and it sold it to him really. He said personally, I needed to change things up, and I'm happy to be joining Hull KR. I need game time for my development, and I want to be con- consistently be playing Super League to reach my potential. Uh, Hulk KR play an expansive brand of rugby. I can't wait, wait to be getting ball in space and show the fans what I can do. I've already spoken to Willie about his plans and I'm looking forward to working with him next year. Um I don't know. I'd say reading in between the lines, the fact they've brought him in earlier than expected. Uh I don't know, Graeme. Do you reckon Reinhardt's not fit for but someday and his injury might be a bit a bit more severe than what we first uh thought?
2: Yeah, like it's like you know, if you if you're a young kid and you can you can deal with injuries a lot a lot better. Uh you, you recover a lot quicker, your body heals a lot quicker. Um, when you're in your mid-thirties, the you know the, the body takes a lot longer to repair, and you, as we all know, rugby is an unforgiving game when it comes to your body and what you ask you know what you're asked to do week in week out. So, yeah, I think there's a there's a little bit of one eye on Ryan fitness overall, but like I said a minute ago, I think there's that element of 22-year-old kid um, potential. Sam would um, link up with with senior as that potential left edge with Lewis Johnson inside it. That's that's got the makings of a potential for a few years to come. So I'd like to think there's a bit of cover, and uh, that smart, um, smart thinking from us. But also with one eye on the future as well.
1: Yeah, and it also shows, doesn't it, that you know, like Brett Delaney in senior, they've only been triggered by Tony Smith's departure because uh, obviously these are very much Willie Peters signings. Um, so obviously that it speeded up that. Uh, I think the Ryan All injury, is it, it a rib cartilage injury. Um, I don't think there's anything you can do. I don't think there's painkillers. Anything. It's purely once it's healed, you can play. But it's that sore and, and, and such a bad injury that you can't you can't be patched up. So you know, hey, if it means he's missing the derby and he you know it makes him fit for the remainder of the season, then I think you know. We, we want to get away from playing patched-up players, don't we? It's been a symptom of Rovers for a long time where we've had players out on the pitch that were nowhere near fit and it's come back to bite us. So, so hopefully, you know, the club are, are taking precautions and it looks like the signing of senior definitely uh, alludes to that. We mentioned Sam Wood there a bit. Um, Craig, where do you think Sam Wood fits in now for Kingston Rovers? Obviously, he had a, a bit of a dodgy start to his Rovers career, didn't he? Uh, we've seen him second row, we've seen him... Centre, we've seen him out on the wing. Where Where do you think his best position for us is?
0: um For, for me, centre. I think um, he had them couple of... The first two games where... If I remember rightly, I want to I say he was... Was centre on the wing? The first couple of games, I think he was on the wing, wing. wasn't he? Wing. Um, yeah, and then since he moved into centre, you know, uh, the, the injury came at the wrong time because I thought he was playing some great rugby... Um, defensively and, and attacking, um, and it showed against Hull that the quality has got skill level. Um, so, for me, yeah, he's, it, it's interesting because if we've signed that other Aussie from Parramatta, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name because I, I've tried a million times and I still I'm sure. have. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting where he, he does fit in for next year. Because mm-hmm. I can't see him dropping Kenny Dowell, he. I feel like he's, he's just going to be the captain. Um, so yeah, it's a good question actually, but for me, I, I think you've got to play him centre.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Mike one, well, Mikey, where? Where do you think he might line up for us?
3: I, I think it'll be centre as well. Um, I've got. The, I've been keeping stats this season, so I can tell you that uh, Sam Woods played. He played the first six games on the wing, uh, this season. Um, and I think I've. Mikey, think, is, that,
1: is that spreadsheet you got shareable?
3: Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm quite happy to, to support you with some stats. I've just been just been logging everything yeah. mainly for my share. You might not be, uh, you know. Yeah, surprised. well, I'll
1: come to that at the end of the podcast. You can give us an update.
3: <laughs> so yeah, I've been keeping uh, keeping stats, um, and I think uh, Graham brought up a, a really good point about. When you think about the left edge, you know, we've we've got Hall, we've got Kenny Dowell, we've got Lynette. That is an ageing left edge and it is almost going to be a transitional period of us being able to slot other players in. And it's going to get to a point where at the end of next season there's a really, really big decision to make because the chances are I would have guessed at least two if not all three of them may move on. And if that is the case, you don't want to be completely rebuffing you know, an edge of your field. So um, you, you might actually see somebody like Sam Wood Player on the left edge opposed to him being on the right it's one of those we really don't know um, where things are going to go but if we are looking at Sam Wood I would have said I prefer watching him in the centres
1: Yeah I, I do think with Wood um, his, his utility value is probably where he's going to be utilised most which becomes a bit of a problem for the player himself doesn't it and I was look back to Craig Hall in that um, he ended up being um, too good played a number of positions that he'd never able to nail down one position for himself because of his versatility and I do think Sam Wood's starting to maybe fit into that Jimmy Kynos kind of mould where he's great having on the bench because he can play you know, a number of positions um, although I do remember when we played Toulouse uh, last time he got hooked, didn't he, by Tony Smith for, and I think he was playing second row um, and I don't, I don't think he was, he never came back on after, after I think he missed a tackle or something like that. But you know, he's a he's a young, hungry British player who, who's got um, bags of potential. He's obviously got size. You know, he's 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 he's, he's got it all in front of him. Um, and who knows? You know, we could see a right edge of of Sam Wood and uh, Louis Senior next season. Um, I suppose, though, Craig, it pretty much looks like it spells the end of Ben Crooks uh, at Holkings Rose. You can't imagine him. Being around now with with the players that we've got, and obviously with the signing of senior.
0: No, definitely not. Um, and I think you know it, it. It's a tough one when you kind of you know it, it's coming as a fan. You, you see players, and you can you can give your opinions on. I won't give them a contract and stuff, but when it's like a player, a crook. So is not consistently good, but he'll always give something. He'll always try, but you know, it's I think for me, probably is a time for him. It is to go to the end of the season, uh, in in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, you know, it I wish he was more consistent in terms of the, the good stuff he can do.
1: Yeah, Graham is, I mean, it obviously, you know, he might still be around next season. Who knows? You know, strange things have happened, but you know, Ben Crooks. He has been a fantastic servant to the club, hasn't he? And, and he's, he's one of them who's, who, again, you know, if he ever came back to the club, he'd, he'd always be able to walk around with his head, head held high.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think he probably falls into that category, John, that you mentioned, you know, the Craig Halls and that. He's, he's filled in at full-back, he's, he's done the wing, he's done the centre and he's never, he's never really had that consistent run. He's had a you know, couple of injuries to deal with as well recently he hasn't really been able to make a position his own and and nail his colours to it. And you know he's he's got the odd mistake or two in him, like everybody has. But it it shows flashes of what he can do, and you you think, go And then we want we want more to see more of that and and be like that. But then all of a sudden he gets shifted position potentially to cover somewhere else. And like I say, it's just a bit stuttery for players like 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 Crooks in with with all the players coming in. It's hard to see why you would sign these players and not play them over and above what you've you know got already. Otherwise, what's the what's the point That's in cool. in you know, in signing them? You aren't just gonna hoard players for, for, for no reason whatsoever. So yeah, I think it's probably one of those where he's been very, very good for us. He's, he's worked, you know, he's worked well for us in, in a number of areas, including that utility role and got us out of a jam a few times. But again, I think you know we, we compare left and right edges that that right edge for us has been weaker in in terms of both defense and attack I think historically over the last few seasons and he's been you know he's been part of that and as, as much as I, I enjoy watching his his sort of enthusiasm and attitude etc again it, it, I want to see more of that that consistent um good stuff he can do and not get caught out uh, you know as much in, in terms of some of defensive however having said that I thought a, I thought defensively, he's been probably one of our better backs uh, recently. Uh, notwithstanding the you know the results aside, but I think he's been been one of those who who has you know who has shown up shown up well in defence.
1: Yeah, yeah, difficult one, and you know my limited knowledge of sport. You know, if you've been playing nine games in a row, whatever at centre, and then all of a sudden you shifted over to a wing on the opposite side. You know, it's, it, it's difficult, isn't it? It's a difficult, you know, no matter how, you no know, matter whether you're a professional sportsman, how much money you wear or anything, it's, it's a hard, hard thing to do. But anyway, who knows? He might still be around, and if he is, well, good luck to him. Uh, but Mikey, it's Derby week. <laughs> you know, it's almost like we've forgotten it that we've got a Derby at the end of the week. What's your thoughts on the Magic Weekend concept as a whole?
3: I I enjoy watching the Magic Weekend concept from my home, I'll be honest. I (laughs) I prefer watching it on telly more so than attending. Um, I've frequented quite a lot of away games this year. I've been to various different places, but the Magic Weekend is just one that I quite like to sit in front of the box and just watch a game back to back to back. Um, I think a lot of that came through the lockdown as well. You know, all the games was on telly and it, it was quite enjoyable to be able to watch some of the more neutral games where you're not necessarily pulling your hair out or pulling your teeth out watching your team play. Um, but I, I, see, I see the appeal to it. I think the one thing I would maybe say is I wish it was playing in just a maybe a slightly smaller stadium. I, I feel they maybe do just over-egg it a little bit. Um, and it, it really annoys me as well when they put this big attendance out at the end of the weekend and say that 65,000 people have attended when most of those have been counted twice. I feel like it's maybe a, you know, a slightly fabricated number if somebody's gone for the weekend. So I think maybe a, a smaller stadia is probably the way forward for the Magic Weekend.
1: Yeah, well, on that, I can tell you, Mikey, that the um, the highest attendance recorded at a Magic Weekend is... Uh, oh, can't tell you. I can't tell you. I can't tell you. Uh, Sixty-six thousand two hundred and twenty. 276, which is obviously over Saturday, Sunday. That was in 2016. The highest Saturday attendance was 40,871. That was in 2015 uh, at Newcastle. And the highest Sunday attendance has been 32,953. And that was back in 2012 at Manchester. So there you go. Why do we need to hold it in a stadium that holds um, 47,000, 50,000, you know, whatever it might be? It shows you really, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think the format is just a little bit tired now. I just, you know, I've been to loads of these magic weekends and very rarely the supporters stay and watch all the games. You get people who might catch the end of the the game before or, or what have you, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, maybe it's time for something different, whatever that may be. Uh, Craig, are you away on Sunday?
0: I, well, I'm going for the full weekend. It's my stag weekend. Oh, is it? So. Well, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I might not be saying that Monday morning when I wake up, but yeah. I really,
1: uh, well, I was going to say as well, I was well
0: to ruin a good stag, though. Rover's going to get beat. It's like, yeah, he saved the best. <laughs> <piece." laughs> I know, but no. To be honest, I've I always go to the magic weekends. Um, the, the one thing that has bothered me this time round, it's not on a bank holiday. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna do a weekend like that, you have got to got to pick your weekends. And you know, if the stadium's not available over that, over a bank holiday, move venue. You know, obviously, in in the north. Um, but no, I, I think personally for me, it's a, it's a brilliant concept. You know, you you can yes. I, I talk to the fans, get their opinions on what they te- how they feel on their team, um, that the banter's good. Um, I, I yeah, I just it's an overall good weekend for me. Yeah.
1: I just wish they'd stop putting Rovers on uh last, last, last Sunday. yeah, <laughs> this is an absolute killer. But, um, we go into that game obviously, um, with a de- bit of a depleted squad again. Obviously, we haven't got any squad news yet, that'll be out at lunchtime tomorrow. Um, Hull FC are obviously going through their annual injury crisis um, and despite being able to field a full reserve side last night they had to bring in three loan players for for Sunday's game which is staggering considering they've brought in three youngsters Um, but Graham, um, is this one of them? Well, uh, I I was going to say before the news broke this week about everything that's happened I was going to say it's our least anticipated uh, Derby for a long time, uh, but obviously um, it's definitely whetted the appetite for Rovers fans probably more than it has the black and whites. Um, but would we be wrong to enter that game with too confident?
2: Um, have we got any confidence at the minute to to, to take into that game? I don't we've yeah, got
1: I Leaney, we've got Lewis Senior, we've got
2: yeah, you know,
1: he's uh, uh, all defence out. Well, Senior's going to run a full length try. I, I, I
2: try and be as positive on everything as, as, as possible, John and I, I think there's we're probably more confident than the black and whites and that and that that's yeah. probably just as as, as where we're at, at the minute in terms of the levels of performance. The results aren't going either side's way. So it it could be you know, it could be the hopefully the game that sparks us into life and it, there's nothing better than to, to you know to get yourself up for a derby game, whether you you know whether it's your first one or, or your hundred and first one. You know, it, the hairs on the back of the neck will be standing up no, no matter what sort of form you're in. We always say the form book goes out the window, blah, 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 with with, with derbies. And I think it's come at a fantastic time for us with with needing to, to, to show improvement, needing to show change. They're on a, a really poor run at the minute. They've got injuries left and right you know suspensions as well to, 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 to worry about. They got absolutely battered at the weekend. So their confidence is going to be absolutely rock bottom. We've got, We've not got a better chance to show ourselves what we can do, and to show everybody else that actually that run we've just been on was a blip. We're over it now. Let's put it to bed. Let's let's kick on for the rest of the season and use this game as a real springboard to do that.
1: Yeah, and Mikey, that you know, it is a game like Noah, isn't it? Because like Graham said, it don't matter what your form is going into it. It don't matter what team you put out. We've seen on so many occasions that. All that stuff just doesn't count. And it's literally who can play better on, on the day, who gets the rub of the green, who can get the mistake that goes in their favour, who can create a bit of magic. Um, which is why, you know, it doesn't matter for me, it doesn't matter what line-up they put out, a derby is the derby and and anything can happen.
3: Yeah, you, you're, you're not wrong. <clears throat> when when you look at it, it I, I think this is probably one of the hardest to call derbies in, in years. Yeah, we always say, oh, it's derby week, the form book goes out the window, you know, that old cliche. And both clubs are probably thinking, thank God for that, because neither of us have got any form. It's it's one of those games where I've had multiple conversations this week uh, with with both Rovers fans and Hull fans with regards to the game. And one of the comments I've been making is, uh, is it possible for both to lose? Because that's kind of like the the atmosphere that I feel like it's almost generating. It could be nil-nil, it could be 40-40. You know, it's it's one of those games where it's so so difficult to call, um, and it's going to be who wants it most on that day. You know, we're going to have sort of seventeen blokes on either side, and the ones that turn up will win. And we just got to make sure that we're uh, we're riled up more than they are.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's it is a tough one to call, isn't it? But what you suggest is, Craig, even though we've got a number of injuries, you know, squad wise, team wise, and. I don't want to say stronger, but I don't know. We, we seem to have a few more experienced professionals in our ranks who should be fit yeah. for something more than what they do.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I think we, you know, we've got enough out on the field to to win the game. I think Hull possibly tried to kind of get a bit of enthusiasm around the place with the the three loan signings, um, but I just thought it was great that it was like kind of. Rovers just waited for them to come out with something and then they made their announcements. Like you said at the beginning of the show, you know, it's it, it's give the fans a buzz again. You know, I've got a buzz since the signings and, you know, Frankie Alton, Maguire, I, I think they want to... I, I, I believe the, the players all want a power performance. It's, a, it's in front of the cameras, a big audience, well, hopefully a big audience, and uh, they'll want to get Maguire off to a winning start so yeah I, I think
1: we've got enough all i'm gonna to say to you is craig make sure you record it because um if you're on your stag do when it kicks off at half past five there's no chance whatsoever you're going to be remembering the result uh, or the performance whatsoever so you can yeah, see probably it.
0: right yeah
1: and then if they do get beat you don't need to watch it either way do you so uh, <laughs> um, but no it's, i suppose a million dollar question is graham uh, Danny danny is in charge apparently he's been pushing for youth to be getting more of a, a looking at rovers. Uh, rumors are circulating that uh, Zach Fishwick wasn't including the reserve set up uh, last night because he's going to be featuring the um, in the squad for Sunday um, I mean it'd be a massive call if he if he does come in because you'd imagine there's going to be some senior well senior players displaced as a result
2: you would expect, unless there's injuries that we don't know about, for yeah. you know, for, the, for those positions. But but again, you look back to where Maguire was in his career. He was sort of thrown in with Sinfield, with uh, Rob Burrow, all at the same time as young, inexperienced people. And, and you know, look what that's done for them in the in the longer term. And as a as a one off game, you know that that's not going to define anybody's career. Um, but if if Maguire trusts in in the player, then you know. Who are we to, to, to sort of question that? Um, they've got to start somewhere. Why not start in a, in, in a big game like a derby? Let's you know they're going to be up for it. They didn't know the score between between the the, the rivalry anyway. So yeah, and if it's you know if it's merited and if, if Maguire thinks it's the right call to make, then let's you know let's back him. Let's back the kid if he if he gets a, an opportunity. You know let's uh, let, let's see what he can do.
1: Yeah, and Mike, it, it, it's difficult because obviously we don't know what the squad is for Sunday, like Graham said. There could be injuries we're not, not sure about or we don't know about yet. But are you expecting wholesale changes from that Toulouse side or do, do we have the place to make wholesale changes? Because we were a bit patched up at Toulouse, wasn't we?
3: Yeah, I, I don't I don't think there will be, to be fair. Mm. Um, if, if it was up to me and it's not, I would have <laughs> Zach Fishwick as the 18th man on, mm. on Sunday. I think it would be a great opportunity to get him involved within the first team set up get him on the field before the game, let him feel the crowd, let him feel the atmosphere, let him have that that match day Super League experience of feeling the crowd, feeling just feeling everything. And then he doesn't then have to then play the game because that'll allow him to understand and know how to deal with that sort of level of emotion because it could, it could be overwhelming. I'm not saying it would be, I don't know the lad, but I just feel like it would be very good to sort of blood him and give him a little bit of experience of what something's like and then if you are going to throw him in, you know, maybe look at Wakefield the week after, once he's had that opportunity to be sort of a part of that setup. Um I, I, I'd be hopeful that, that Lachlan Coop um, is, is fit and available. Um, I I didn't believe he was 100% out of the game last week against Toulouse. I, I, was, I was of the belief he was more 50-50 um, and he just wasn't risked. Now, if that is the case, then fingers crossed, he is he is ready and available to go to go on uh, on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and if um, anybody listens to Paul Cook on BBC Radio on the side, he, um, he he basically gave two reasons why Lapland Coote was doing media duties. It was that he's knackered, and and the club have basically said, look, you might as well go do it because we've got our own. The other players who are going to be playing need to be at home, kind of thing, or he's playing. And he's the poster boy for the game, and and that's why Lachlan Coote's gone up. So, but there's no doubt, as we saw in the um, Easter Derby, you know, if you get Lachlan Coote firing on all cylinders, he he can win the game, can't he, Mike?
3: Yeah, I'm glad that you came back to me just then because I've got something to to cheer up about that. Um, mm. Oh yes, so obviously Lachlan Coote didn't travel across to uh, across to France, and on Monday the lads were in training on Monday. Mm. Uh, they sort Lachlan of all got, went for a meal, didn't they? They all went for a meal out. So. They've obviously these lads have just travelled across to France. So I'm not saying he did, but Lachlan could have put his hand up and said, look, send me. These lot have just been across to France and played a game. I've not played. I'll go do the media duties. And that could have been could have been what happened. Um, obviously, he's, he's a really nice guy and he's, he's somebody who has really sort of brought a lot of unity in, into the team. And I feel like that's the sort of thing that he would probably do. Um, I think he understands as well that with his sort of stature and salary comes a level of responsibility to a a team and not only the the team and the playing group, but the fans, his sponsor, um, Andrea Bruce. I know he he does a lot for hair as well. And it's it's great to be able to see a player connecting with the fans, with the sponsor and also the club and embracing that element of uh, connectivity that we've got.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And um... Graham, if he does play, you know, obviously it's a it's a massive call because we've seen how important he is when he when he is playing well. Um, how would you line us up on Sunday? Are you expecting big changes?
2: No, I don't think it's the time to do that. I, I think there's the, you know there's a stability there within the squad. If you look at the history of of this season and what the team sheets have looked like, injuries aside, I think we've been pretty consistent with a with a lot of the squad, and we've just made. The necessary adjustments, certainly with you know with the forwards, etc. So I don't think there'll be wholesale changes. I think he'll go go with what we know. Um, I'd love to say that I'm confident Lackland Cook will be there. And I, I want him to be there, obviously, because I think in that that run of games where we had with with six, seven, eight on the bounds, I think he was absolutely instrumental. In, in a lot of the points we scored, not just with the boot, but if you look back at where the tries were scored from, he was either directly involved in the assist, if you like, or he was causing the decoy that created the assist for somebody else because he he's that good, he occupies people's minds when he hasn't got the ball. So I'd love to see him start. I think, you know, Ryan Hall, do we know if he's going to play or not? We We, we should have. Uh, it's and I, I was,
1: week.
2: Who knows? Well, yeah, yeah. There's always there's always something to surprise. <laughs> always a, a surprise on the team sheet, you know, no matter what. So, I, I think we should have a lot of stability there. You know, the changes. If you put a lot of changes in at one go, you've got what four, or five days maximum to to get everything right during the week. That's not normally how how things operate at this level. You know, the, the, they like to run the lines during the week with the players that are going to be there. So, I'd like to think that there was the vast majority of the squad there that, that was out there on, on, on Saturday night over in Toulouse playing, as I said, the ones that have picked up Knox or were dubious. I'd love to see Coop back. I'd love to see Hall back as long as he's fit and, and available to do what he does well for us because I think he gives us that that solidity and he gives us that, that opportunity and that option coming out of backfield play. And he's obviously a threat going forward. So, so yeah, I'm looking for a lot of the same barring maybe one or two tweaks.
1: Yeah and, and you know Let's be right You know We know derbies go And, and this could be the time When someone like a Corbin Sims Or an Albert better You know Steps up And, and has the performance of A lifetime And you know If you do that in a derby You know That writes that a lot of wrongs Doesn't it for, for people So I think it's time Maybe Instead of wholesale changes And making a raft of changes Etc that, that um You know Our players are trusted You know What's gone uh, With Tony Smith is done now um, they'll have had what five days training under a new setup, new regime. They've got a derby at the end of the week. It's almost like, you know, the, the, the uh, it's a, it's a fresh start from, isn't it? So it's going to be really interesting
0: to see. I, I
2: think so as well. You look, you know, players want to play, and and when, especially when they've had a poor result like we had on Saturday, I think there'll be an element of pride in there that they want to put things right. They they don't believe that that was the true Hulkingston Rovers performance, and. I think there'll be a lot of them wanting to, to to impress on on the weekend to make sure that we, we don't get a negative opinion of, of their attitudes or the levels of performance. I think they'll want to turn that around themselves and, and they'll be busting their gut to play in that.
1: Yeah, and Craig never mind the fact it's a derby. You know, we're talking about a playoff push. We take two points off hole, that brings them you know right into the mire and we've still got to play them again. Uh, we've got some. Um, We've got fixtures against Toulouse still, a Wakefield, uh, Warrington. You know, if we can start off on Sunday with a victory um, and bring as many clubs into that playoff push, and as long as we're there or thereabouts come the end of the season with a couple of games to go. Uh, but obviously it all starts on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I, I actually think it's a massive game on Sunday, not just because it's a derby, mm. but I actually think for our season uh, going forward, because if we lose... Yes, we've got Wakefield after, but um, Wakefield are playing well. But at some point, I, I do feel they'll turn a the corner. Um, I feel like Cass, with, with Radford's teams, you, you know they're up and down all the time. They're going through a good spot at the moment. I think they'll drop off at some point. But, yeah, it, it's massive. Um, well, there, there should be added... Well, there will be added pressure because they do need the two points. And I think... Graham just said about the performance overall. It, it does need to be better. We don't want to be walking away from that stadium being negative um, because you don't want to start thinking, where's our next win coming from? Oh, it should be Wakefield and you get your hopes up and then it's another bad performance. We need to start with the good performances on Sunday. And can yeah. I just say something about the, the team? I know Mike, you said about Fishwick being 18th man. I, I 100% agree with you. But he's the one player, probably, I think, will come in. And he'll come in for someone... I think you mentioned last week, Jono, about one of the players who you don't really know what he brings. Um, I, And I, I don't want to slide players off. But for, for me, it, it come in for Richards. Mm. It This Fishwick, I, I don't feel like he's got anything to lose. He's only got stuff to gain. He'll learn a lot from the game. Um, but, and I think for youngsters... Into a, into a game like this, it it can go either way. But I just feel like he might get a lot more from this if he was thrown in at the deep end and and got his chance.
1: Mate. yeah, and that's it. Fresh eyes on it, you know. Fresh eyes gives a different outlook and a different opinion, doesn't it? You know, you won't be the first person to say about Richards and, and whether he should be in the squad. One player I'd like to have seen against the was Will Tate. You know, especially on yes. the back of signing a two-year contract, I thought it had been a perfect opportunity. When you consider, yes, he's been out on loan uh, this season, but he's still not playing uh, regular rugby league. Um, enough, I don't think anyway, um, where he's at the stage of the career where he does need to be playing. But you know, obviously, mm-hmm. these calls are made, and and maybe this is why Danny Maguire uh, has been pushing maybe for some of the younger players to be playing because he sees it in training. He, he's he's. Um, closer to it than what we are. So, like we said, it's going to be very interesting what uh, how we line up on Sunday. But hopefully, whatever we do, it leads to two points. Mike, do you want to give us a quick update on Hulk KR shirts? Because I can see you've got one of the um, military shirts there and it's also got the military badges on the arm. So, I'm guessing it's one of the players.
3: Sure is, yeah. Um, so, the club have, have got these up on, uh, on the website, uh, so for those of you watching on YouTube, if you if you're on podcast, obviously you won't be able to to see it. But yeah, the club have got these up on the on the retail site. Um, if you go to the limited edition struck signed page, uh, they've got all of the shirts from the Huddersfield warm up uh, available to purchase on there, at varying different prices dependent on player. And the, some of the profits from these go towards the um, Army Benevolent Fund. So it's really uh, good supporting a cause here. I've got. Got Albert Vettes. I wanted one that had two different flags on the sleeve. There, obviously, we've got the New Zealand flag and the Tongan flag there as well. And the players have signed the ones that they wore. So you know there is still quite a few of those available on there as well. And if anybody is maybe struggling at this, at this time, uh, you can actually head over to Rover's Facebook page where they're running a competition. And uh, not the Facebook, sorry, the Twitter. Uh, they're running a competition to win Frankie Holton's. Uh, Warm up shirt. So that's giving somebody the opportunity that wouldn't maybe be able, able to get one to enter a competition to try and win one.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And um, when's the next um, episode on Hulk AR Shirts going to be?
3: Um, it'll be next Friday. I launched last week. I did a, an episode on uh, a man that was mentioned earlier, actually, Joel Tompkins. I did that last week. Um, mm-hmm. And then we've got one launching next week. I've got it filmed, but I've not edited it yet. So can't tell you what it is because I can't quite remember. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it might be the eighty nine ninety one home shirt. Actually, the uh, the fair shirt that we wore at the uh, the New Craven Park. So if it's not that one, then that's the one after. It's one of the two.
1: <laughs> yeah, excellent. No, it's always worth a good look. Um, do you want to just give people uh, your social media your website, Mike? So anyone who's listening or watching and who hasn't caught any of your any of your work yet, where they can find you?
3: Yeah, sure. So it's literally uh, all our shirts across everything. So that's uh, Facebook, Instagram and twitter uh, the webpage page is Um and then over across on youtube as well uh, we've got past 100 subscribers now so we're able to rename that channel so if you just search for hulkarshirts it'll uh, it'll bring it up on there done 62 episodes plus four or five special editions so there's hours and hours and hours of shirt related content over there so it's um to most people it might be boring but if you've got you want to know some of the little intricacies and stories behind the shirts that maybe you, you aren't aware of. There's uh, various different things for people to be able to check out over there. So thank you for the opportunity of sharing that information, yeah. Chris.
1: I've got a question for you, mate. Go on. What are we wearing on Sunday? Home shirt. Is it home shirt? Are we the home team? I don't know. Do they, or is it a toss of a coin? What is
3: it? No, no. We're, we're, we're listed as the home team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have this for, for gospel reasons, but I believe it's normally down to marketing. The club really like to wear home shirts. Uh, right. When it comes to derby games, if you think of whether it's at home or away, we would we would generally wear a, a yeah. home shirt where there isn't a, a clash. Um, obviously, with Hull FC being a predominantly black shirt this year, and obviously with us being red, we're able to uh, to wear that one. But uh, hopefully, the the boiler third shirt should hopefully be worn in the very near future.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to ask about that actually, because um, it's um not been seen that much, has it?
3: No, but when it does get seen, I, I've got a little story to tell about it. <laughs> so but I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait for that to happen, just in case yeah. it doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, excellent. Yeah, and of course on Sunday we'll see the sad news, didn't we? That uh, zoo had sadly passed away at the tender age of 58. And um, of course he represented Robbers um, during some of our most successful years, um, and also played for the Robins um, during. You know, a sad decline in the club's fortunes, but Zouk was an ever-present player, um, actually made his debut in 1983. And it's remarkable that in his first two seasons, he he turned out for the Robins um, in four cup finals, making incredible um, 42 consecutive games before being rested in the 85-86 season. And uh, when he was 23, he, he after just two seasons, he played 86 times. Uh, and of course, he received three cup winners' medals. Um, he went on to play for the Robins 233 times, scoring 18 tries. Um, and his probably biggest compliment is that if he was around today, he'd probably be a star forward because he was strong and mobile. Uh, he had solid defense. And it was only in the last stage of his career that he went into the second row. Uh, he was a fine ambassador for Hulkingston Rovers, um, and I've spoken to Wayne Parker recently about it. Um, and obviously, a lot of the former players, as our supporters, very sad to hear this news that that Zoo had sadly gone. Uh, Graham, you'll have been uh, having the pleasure of being able to watch him play. What were your memories of Zoo? Yeah,
2: I'd probably probably echo a lot of what you said there, Chris, already around uh, no nonsense forward number ten. Um, so I, again, I think. It's worth pointing out that, that when Zouk and a lot of the others were playing, they were semi professionals at that stage. So it, it wasn't the era, era where we are now of a professional game. It, it was that they were doing the rugby, the training, and holding down full time jobs. And I'm sure many know that Zouk went on to have a, a full service in the fire service before he retired sort of five or six years ago as well. So that, that was sort of testament to the players of that age as well. But yeah, to echo what you've said already. Um, Managed to, to sort of speak to him a couple of times uh, back in the days. Going back to that that sort of intro I did, was, as a young kid, we used to sit on the barriers and, and in the days when you could run on the pitch afterwards, it was it was allowed and he used to run up to the players and everybody went for for Emmer to ask for his tie-ups that they used to have and collect those. So I was one of those kids who was tugging on his shirt saying, look, Zouk, can I have your tie-ups, please? And then uh, just, to, just a little anecdote on the back of it, it, it was about two or three years ago, um, local cycling club that i'm with he turned up on this on this bike joined us for for the first time in, uh you know as a cyclist and sort of looked at him and thought Bummy well, I my mean, that's who camera that is and recognized him straight away and once i'd stopped fun fanboying over him and and that went up to him and talked to him again and said you know all what i said there about watching him as a kid and he was very appreciative of uh, you know uh, uh, of the, the support that everybody had given him he was thankful of his career etc lovely person to talk to and we'd gone we'd gone for a ride over the bridge um it, as i say it was his first time he'd, he'd come out with us he turned up on this bike that was probably from the 1980s as well as a, an old-fashioned racer bike um the gearing on it was 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 not probably what what modern standard bikes are up to and it it looked heavy and and uh image sort of hard work of it but he stuck at it and we went over the bridge at uh, the bridge that is and over towards saxby and bombay for any Sort of viewers and listeners that, that, that sort of know cycling and, and go over that way you'll know the little hills that, that are around there as well and we all sort of turned left off the main road and went up one of them and i sort of hung back to make sure everybody had made the junction and made the left turn and then followed them up and i could just see sort of halfway up the distance this big unit sat on this bike and the crank slowly grinding away on this and i thought i'm going to end up like flipping harrison ford on uh, uh, Raiders of a Lost Ark when that cannonball just keeps rolling back down the hill at me that's going to be in him and if he doesn't keep pedalling so I got to him and just sort of give him a bit of a, a nudge along and, that. and he, he got to the top and was absolutely blowing out of his backside when he got there but he did it and he said that was one of the hardest things I've ever done even though he's played however many games of rugby league in his life, that 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 sort of bike ride was, you know, was the hardest thing he'd ever done. So, yeah, I spent a, a little bit of time, you know, chewing his ear off about rugby back in the day, and he, he was uh, a gentleman, but like you said uh, a few minutes ago, to talk to, talked very passionately about his family um, and the you know kids and grandkids that he'd got and how he really enjoyed the retirement that he was having and how he enjoyed watching them getting kick started in their rugby career as 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 young players and enjoyed supporting them and you know doing the granddad thing of school runs and what have you. So yeah, 58 is absolutely no age whatsoever to to you know to, to, to be taken from us, especially when he was, you know, it worked and, and giving his service to the to the club obviously, to the fire service, and then to enjoy his retirement, what he thought was going to be a long and fruitful one. To have it cut short is uh, is very very sad indeed, and like I said, such a such a nice person with it as well.
1: Yeah, I suppose that's the biggest tribute, wasn't it? You know, he's highly regarded for what he achieved, but actually, it's him as a person what people remember. Um, And amazingly, when you look at what he's achieved in his career, uh, he he retired at twenty (laughs) eight. You know, it's it's crazy really, and. You know, I spoke to Gary Clark a couple of weeks ago. He also retired at the age of 28. Um, And you look at what these players in that era, you know, playing 38, 40 games a season, um, cup finals, um, the toll it take on their body, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So these are people who should be highly regarded. And, of course, another former Rovers player who sadly passed away was was Mick Crane, obviously more fondly remembered for his exploits uh, across the river with the black and whites. Uh, but of course, you know, sad to see a, a character like him pass away. Because um, of course, he'll be fondly remembered for for what he achieved in the game. And I'm not sure, but I think there was a, some call for maybe a minute silence at the at the derby on Sunday. I don't I don't know if that's is, whether that's happening or not. But I think it'd be a fitting tribute from both sides, and especially for spectators to be able to pay their respects. Um, because there'll be lots of people wanting to do that, and of course, Rovers play Hull FC on Sunday in Newcastle at Magic Weekend. It's a five thirty PM kickoff. Of course, after all the turmoil and all the uh, twists and turns over the last few days, it'd be good just to go see a, a rugby league game and, and see uh, what happens on Sunday. So thank you, Mike, Graham, Craig. Of course, this is the Red Robin Podcast Weekly, which is powered by 360 Chartered Accountants and Budget Tires Auto Centre. Remember, live, love, laugh and be happy.